This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. And I was going to say good afternoon, everybody, but it really feels like evening, doesn't it? Oh, doesn't it? Almost, it's almost bedtime, Linda? It's almost <laughs> bedtime. Like, the sun is actually dipping below the horizon as yeah. we speak. Just look at that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely that nobody is making the move to change to daylight savings time forever. Uh, or actually... Um, the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> daylight savings time. Yeah, because standard time... Yeah, standard time is what we're in now. Yes. Savings time is when you get that extra hour, hour. in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we are. <laughs> Again, Groundhog Day. No. I had this conversation with Noah, and I, I said, I think it's because, you know, human beings came out of Africa, which is an equatorial, con- you know, oh, yeah. continent, right? Right along the, right along the uh, equator there. And they moved into these, you know, climbs <laughs> all over the world in these upper and lower hemispheres where we're not used to these big, massive swings, you know, in, in daylight. So uh, I think our bodies are trying to tell us, you know, you really should be hibernating right now. Yes. Wouldn't Just that be saying. lovely? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's an adjustment, I know, for a lot of people. And I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah, so. I, can, I can tell. And me too, yeah. as well. I think a lot of people are like, as you mentioned, most people are, are like that. It's, it's hard. It makes it for a very long night when you think that you should be in bed and you've got hours before to go. I found that last night. I was like, oh, yeah. man. Uh, I looked at the clock. It was 8.30. <laughs> I can't. Can I? No. I couldn't possibly. Could I? Well, um, you may recall, uh, Claudette, and it's it's cold out there today. It is cold. It is freezing. That wind is raw. There's yep. a sharpness to it. There is. Even though it's not gusting very high, is it? I can't no, see any trees from No, it's very deceiving, I find. Yeah, so I was walking across the parking lot. I was like, oh, yeah. Need covering up the neck and win- all that stuff. You need everything, all yep. your winter accessories. You need it. So I said, i got to haul out the old winter jacket, I suppose. <laughs> but it seems to me it has been cold everywhere lately. I, I noticed a story on our uh, CP wire today about uh, snow in China. Apparently most of China now covered in snow, is, which is a bit early for many of them. Now a lot of China is in northern climes and is used to uh, lots and lots of snow. But uh, apparently it's pretty widespread. I noticed some pictures on Facebook the other day out of Norway and uh, Finland uh, covered in snow. Montana covered in snow. So we sh- we're, we've got it pretty good then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it seems to me the winter is uh, hitting us a little early this year. So there's that. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the carbon tax and climate change and all of that coming up in the show. But I wanted to mention this, too. You and I had a conversation. Oh, my goodness. I can't even remember it, really. <laughs> but it was something to do with uh, recycling and those little plastic things on oh, the tabs. bags yeah on bread bags oh, and the yeah, like yeah. and how the cardboard ones don't quite cut it yes here you go baby no yes. way these are called spring-loaded bread bag clips set of eight they're multicolored, and they are spring-loaded and like they say they're almost like a little clothes pin to put on but they're specifically made for 
bread bags. And a listener sent it. Oh, that's pretty impressive. And they say, I don't even know if it's a man or a woman. I know nothing about them except that they can draw smiley faces. <laughs> and they said, Linda, heard you talking about bread clips last week. These are the best thing, underline, underline, since sliced bread. Did she tell you where she got them? Because I would like to go well, buy I'll tell some you what. for family. Half of these are yours. <laughs> oh, Linda. There you go. Merry Christmas to Merry me. Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, what an interesting idea. Didn't know that existed. Didn't know it existed. And now I'm thinking that if people find out where they are, they're going to be flying there you off go. the shelf. Maybe they're at Piper's. Oh, hopefully. There you go. Uh, anyway, uh, very interesting. Bread bag clips, spring-loaded bread bag clips. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, but one of our listeners was uh, was uh, kind enough to send them along. So thank you very much for that. Um, in other news, <laughs> the provincial government is establishing what it calls centers of excellence in aging. Those are places that will specialize in geriatric health care in the coming years. More than 90 beds will be created at the new St. Clair's Mercy Hospital for acute care of the elderly or so-called ACE units, as well as uh, rehabilitative and restorative care. Seniors-friendly services will also be established along with seniors-friendly emergency care at the existing St. Clair's Mercy Hospital, the new Western Memorial Regional Hospital, and the new emergency department at the Health Sciences. And uh, uh, planning is also underway for a center of excellence in Central, as well as programming in Labrador. Um, What struck me about this um, news conference held today is that these centers are going to be held in, like I just said, uh, St. John's uh, Cornerbrook, and they're working on some programming in Labrador as well as in central Newfoundland. But where do seniors live? A large number oh, of wow. seniors are living in rural areas. Mm-hmm. So are they going to have to get themselves to these centers of excellence to get uh, appropriate geriatric or seniors care or care that is designed specifically around the needs of seniors to keep them happy and healthy as long as possible oh they'll need Uh, a center of excellence transportation there you go right yeah so those were some of the immediate questions that popped into my mind but here's what health minister tom osborne had to say today the centers of excellence will consist of senior friendly emergency departments acute care of elderly units, restorative care, and rehabilitative care for older adults. The new hospital that will replace St. Clair's Mercy Hospital, and the new, excuse me, the new Western Memorial Regional Hospital will be centers of excellence. The new emergency department at the Health Sciences Center will be senior friendly And while we're waiting for the new St. Clair's, we will have staff trained in the care of the elderly. We are able to provide details on the centers of excellence for the Avalon and Western region of the province because of the previously announced infrastructure projects. The new West Coast Hospital is nearing construction completion and will open to the public in 2024. Work is in progress on the senior-friendly environment as part of the emergency department rejuvenation at the Health Sciences Complex. Planning is continuing for the Center of Excellence in Central Newfoundland and Labrador, as well as programming for the Labrador Rentful Zone. 
The Center of Excellence in seniors, including senior-friendly emergency departments, will consist of training for physicians. The Health Accord also calls for increased training for nurse practitioners in the care of the elderly. Orientation will be provided to other health professionals in the proper policies, procedures, and processes for assessing and caring for our senior population. Standardized screening for older adults, better physical environments, equipment and supplies that are designed to make the emergency visit as comfortable as possible, attention to appropriate use of prescriptions through medication review. The Center of Excellence in seniors will also include a greater involvement of family and loved ones in the care of older adults. As I've noted, the senior-friendly emergency department environment will also be part of the new hospital to replace St. Clair's Mercy Hospital. So we're excited to announce today some more news on the new hospital to replace St. Clair's Mercy Hospital. More than 90 beds will be included as part of the new hospital for acute care of the elderly, common known as ACE units, restorative care, and rehabilitation. This was recommended by the Northeast Avalon Healthcare Infrastructure Committee and Deloitte, which is reviewing and assessing healthcare infrastructure needs on the Northeast Avalon. More details on its location and size are still being determined. Planning ahead will ensure that we have more highly trained physicians. It is also to ensure that medical staff working in acute care and senior-friendly emergency departments and centers of excellence are properly orientated to provide that improved care for our seniors. We continue to recruit, which has led to more than 40 physicians starting with our provincial health authority and more than 300 nurses joining the system since April 1st. We are also excited to announce today approximately $5 million in funding for a new geriatric medicine training program and expansion of Memorial University's care of the elderly training program for family physicians. Currently, physicians must leave the province to receive training as a geriatrician. With this investment, physicians will now be able to receive that training at home here in Newfoundland and Labrador. We will have more geriatricians to provide the care that is required. The new training will provide physicians with additional knowledge and skills needed to provide high-quality care to older adults, which will improve healthcare outcomes, improve quality of life, and help enable seniors to maintain their independence. So that's some of what Tom Osborne had to say today. He was joined by, of course, Dr. Pat Parfrey, who was part of the uh, NL Health Accord uh, process, and uh, Dr. Susan Mercer, who is uh, specializes in senior care, and we'll be hearing more about that uh, later this evening and in through tomorrow morning, so stay tuned for that. Well, coming up, a whale sighting in Conception Bay gets everyone talking. This is News Talk on VOCM.
Start your day off right. Get the latest updates on news, traffic, and weather conditions, plus interviews with today's newsmakers, your go-to source before you get on the go. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays, your VOCM mornings. Well, a very rare whale was spotted in Conception Bay last week. An endangered North Atlantic right whale uh, was uh, seen feeding off Long Pond in Conception Bay South. The whale has been positively identified as Freckles. She has a name. A 10-year-old female never before confirmed in Canadian waters. Marine mammal researcher with the Department of Fisheries and Oceans, Dr. Jack Lawson, joins me now. Well, good afternoon on this uh, frosty old day. Yeah, it is uh, definitely fall. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, uh, I'm sure more than a few um, whale watchers or casual observers had to uh, shake their heads and rub their eyes when this uh, North Atlantic right whale started popping up in Conception Bay. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, on uh, November 1st, uh, somebody was out just off of Long Pond, where the uh, marina is, and happened to see this unusual whale moving around the surface. So they took some imagery of it and forwarded along through a friend of a friend to me eventually. And when we had a look at it, we realized it was a North Atlantic right whale that was skim feeding at the surface. How unusual is it to see uh, an animal like that in Conception Bay? Well, it's extremely unusual in in Newfoundland because the estimates now are sort of 356 animals is the most recent estimate for all that's left for this entire species. In this particular area, I don't have any records inside Conception Bay ever. Uh, The only sightings have been sort of along the north coast and a few other spots, Bonavista Peninsula, things like that. So this is a first for us there. And even more exciting, this is a female that was born in 2013. So she's a 10-year-old. She would just start to have calves soon. And uh, she's never been seen in Canadian waters before. She was last seen in the U.S. in 2022, northeast U.S., but she's never been seen in Canada. So what could have been attracting her to this particular area? Well, a friend was out doing some uh, looking at fish in the area, and there was uh, lots of copepods, these small invertebrate animals, in the stomachs of the fish. And copepods are the favoured prey of right whales. So this right whale could have been uh, searching along the coast of Newfoundland and just happened to come upon a patch of these uh, copepods and was feeding there. Have you had any subsequent sightings of her? Um, I don't know if it's good or bad, but no, we haven't. Uh, We put out a notice to mariners a day later saying watch out for this animal because these these whales tend to be a bit... um one track minded when it comes to feeding so they're known to blunder you know blunder into the path of boats and into fishing gear because they're busy looking for food and so we put out a nose to mariners we've had uh, cnp has been flying patrol aircraft around the area and and others keeping an eye out and i even went out a couple hours after the sighting was was made and we haven't seen her since so i'm sort of hopeful that she got a full belly and has uh, got a good layer of fat on but has left our waters and headed south again If someone is, you know, sort of scanning the water and uh, looking for an unusual type of whale, what sort of things should they be looking for to help identify it as a right whale? Well, the thing about right whales that are really interesting is that, you know, unlike most of the whales we have here, they don't have a dorsal fin. They just have this broad black back with no dorsal fin. Uh, They have a very distinctive V-shaped blow. So it really looks, it's not a single column spout like you'd see from a fin whale or a little puffy blow like a a humpback. It's this V-shape. And most interestingly, and how we can identify individuals like freckles here that was seen uh, in Conception Bay, is that they have these 
white uh, callosity patterns or roughenings of their skin along their head called a bonnet and along their jawline and so on. And, and these are very distinctive. So any, if anybody can get a photo of a right whale close enough, as they've done a few times here, um, we can actually identify the animal. Is she the same one that we've seen, let's say, for instance, off of Bonavista? And I think there was another one in Notre Dame Bay some time ago. Is it the same animal or is it these are these just strays? Well, we've, like I said before, she's never been identified in Canada before based on photographs, but we have had right whales here the last few years that, you know, they've been photographed, but not good enough to get an idea. So she could have been here before. We just don't know. And uh, so whether or not they're strays is an interesting question because all the models of their ecology suggest that as global warming is increasing sea temperatures, copepods, which prefer cooler water, should be found in greater abundance in Newfoundland waters than they are, say, in their traditional waters off of uh, Cape Cod. And so over time, if things go the way they seem to be going, it looks like we'll see more of these whales here maybe than further south. And no doubt of great interest to you. Uh, So if anybody happens to uh, spot a a whale and they're not sure what they saw and they happen to grab a picture of it, I guess you're most interested. I am most interested, and I've I've got a presence on Twitter at D-R-J-W Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N, so Dr. J.W. Lawson on Twitter. And I also have uh, tell Jack addresses and so on that people can get a hold of me. Dr. Jack Lawson, really appreciate your time. Thank you. My pleasure, Linda. Thank you. So there you go. That was Freckles. What an adorable name for a whale. I think that is so special. But I just, I always miss out. Like, all these fascinating things happen in Conception Bay. And I feel like I'm just left to see it on social media. Oh, I did see a picture, and I was fascinated with it. Yeah, they're very, very different as Mm -hmm. he, you know, we're used to the humpbacks, and we're used to the minkies, and, you know, a lot of those, uh, you know, other types of whales that are far more common. Uh, But uh, the North Atlantic right whale, a very different kind of animal. Um, And uh, like he said, that that V blow, you know, each one of the, you can identify a whale just by the, you know. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Because I guess the shape of their nostrils mm-hmm. or whatever, it's whatever way it shoots out <laughs> that air and, and displaces all the water above it. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, it has a very distinctive kind of V shape. So that's something to watch for, even if you can't, you know, you know there's a whale out there, but you can't quite see it. You know what I mean? That's what you can watch for. Um, so, uh, yeah, very interesting indeed. Well, what have we got here? Oh, the Premier of British Columbia is coming to Newfoundland, David Eby. Uh, he um, uh, was at this Council of the Federation meeting this week. Um, actually, they held a news conference today, and he was holding up a big T-shirt that said, I love um, heat pumps. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's very keen on this whole uh, idea of moving people away from uh, home heat fuel and uh, and moving them on to heat pumps. So um, David Eby, a premier of British Columbia, is going to be available to media here in Newfoundland tomorrow. He's, of course, in uh, Halifax today, so it's not that far of a, of a flight. Uh, the media availability will take place at the Kitty Vitty Village Artisan Studio. Um, in St. John's uh, tomorrow 
afternoon. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> they always put in different time zones here. Yeah, tomorrow afternoon, the Premiers will take questions from local media on site. Uh, media from British Columbia can participate virtually. So that's happening tomorrow. How very interesting. So uh, the two uh, solitudes meeting in St. John's tomorrow. And of course, uh, VOCM News will be there to bring you all of that information. And coming up after the news break, we're going to take you to the Council of Federation meetings in Halifax today, where they discussed a number of topics, not the least of which is affordability. Carbon tax was part of that, as you can well appreciate, because that's a big topic of conversation these days. Uh, Housing, of course, another huge concern, not just here in Newfoundland and Labrador, but right across the country. And healthcare, which uh, got some interesting comments as well, because uh, as you know, we had uh, Saskatchewan here not too long ago uh, trying to recruit, some might say poach, Poach. uh, healthcare professionals from this province. So there was some conversations surrounding that as well. Anyway, we'll give you a little update on that and we'll have more news on that in uh, the next day or so, especially in the morning show tomorrow. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Uh, News is up next now with Noah Shepard. We'll be back right after this. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News talk on your VOCM. Thanks a lot, Claudette, and thanks a lot to Noah Shepard. And just an update to the news now that you just heard Noah reading about um, Cordell Dixon, who was wanted by the RNC. Well, he has now been arrested. 26-year-old Cordell Dixon arrested this afternoon in the Goulds. Dixon will remain in custody to appear in provincial court in connection with charges of break and enter, sexual assault, assault with a weapon, forcible confinement, failure to comply with a release order, and failing to comply with a family violence protection order. RNC continues to seek any information to assist in their investigation, and that's uh, in relation to a um, recent incident, uh, if memory serves in Mount Pearl, I believe. I stand to be corrected on that, don't quote me, Uh, but a very serious uh, situation indeed. So 26-year-old Cordell Dixon now in custody uh, by RNC and uh, waiting to appear in court on a number of charges related to um, an alleged incident. Um, So, back to news. (laughs) Uh, Back to the other news of the day. Well, premiers and territorial leaders met in Halifax this week to discuss a number of important issues of mutual concern. They included uh, housing, healthcare, recruitment, uh, healthcare recruitment, sorry, and the carbon tax, which was also very high on the agenda. As you know, uh, Premier Andrew Fury has been highly critical of the impact of the carbon tax and clean fuel regulations on Newfoundland and Labrador. Here's some of what he had to say on the issue along with New Brunswick Premier Blaine Higgs. I mean, we've certainly made our uh, position well known, whether it's on carbon tax or the clean fuels. I do think uh, there deserves uh, to be recognition on the, on the Prime Minister's, for the Prime Minister recognizing uh, that it disproportionately impacted Atlantic Canadians. 
Um, that said, with every policy, policies are live documents that rightfully deserve repeat evaluations and repeat evaluations and repeat evaluations to see if they're achieving the goals they want and how they're impacting Canadians more broadly. Um, so uh, from Newfoundland and Labrador's perspective, we were happy to see that uh, there would be some relief given uh, with respect to the home heating fuels. And make no mistake, there's 20%, one in five Cana of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians still use that product. It's more expensive. Uh, it's gonna cause, it would have cost uh, seniors on fixed incomes extra thousands of dollars at this time of inflationary pressure. All that said, we do think that uh, that this deserves a collaborative approach and I'm very sensitive to the current Canadian dynamic and not inflaming uh, a unity issue with respect to the energy file. I just finished uh, idea that <clears throat> I think this has been a really difficult issue to talk about publicly because if you're in a jurisdiction such as ours and you talk about the impact of carbon tax, it can quickly get thrown back at you that you're some kind of climate change denier and this knuckle-dragging Neanderthal type personality, which uh, I would say Prince Edward Islanders are not. I think we're an island province who understands climate change. We live it every day. Uh, and our position has been, since we became government in 2019, has been rather than fight over these things, why can't we work on the shared goals together to reduce our carbon footprint and help Islanders and Atlantic Canadians and Canadians in general live their lives as we work toward that transition and that's what we've tried to do uh, this latest situation with the federal government uh, it didn't have to happen the way it did I think uh, if a cooler heads could have prevailed and if we just could have got away from this very rigid political doctrine that we have to do this and it has to be across the board for this broad country that we have that's so diverse uh, and different I think we could have avoided this outcome but as Islanders I think we want to play our role in the reduction of carbon and making our future uh, better and greener and cleaner. Uh, and we've been just asking all along to have a willing partner with the federal government in that process with some real solutions, which we have been working on for almost five years. And I'm sorry, I said that was New Brunswick Premier Blaine Higgs. It wasn't. It was the uh, Premier of uh, Prince Edward Island, Dennis King, um, who I uh, believe has among the highest uh, number of people who uh, heat their homes with oil heat. So uh, one of the provinces uh, very negatively impacted by carbon taxes. Now, this whole idea of putting a pause on carbon taxes on home heat fuel has really caused a lot of uh, discussion and division because, of course, there's a lot of politics being played with it and the whole fact that it's on pause is a bit of uh, politics as well or politicking as well. But uh, there's been this uh, whole idea that it's only for Atlantic Canada. That's not true. It's right across Canada. They've implemented this right across Canada for home heating oil. Um, but the highest percentage of people who heat their homes with oil are here in Atlantic Canada. There's lots of people in Ontario do it, lots of people in Alberta, on and on and on. But uh, like I said, primarily here in Newfoundland and Labrador and, and Atlantic Canada is where um, the the greatest percentage of people yeah, that are creates heating a, their homes with uh, oil. That creates a, a divide in perception, doesn't it? As you it mentioned, does. most people think it's Atlantic 
it's almost like pitting us against them exactly and of course it was kind of presented that way with the atlantic caucus behind Mm -hmm. the prime minister and the like now there were uh initiatives that were announced when all that was announced just over a week ago um that are specific to newfoundland uh, sorry specific to atlantic canada um which is part of some pilot projects that they're introducing that kind of thing but the pause, the three-year pause, is right across Canada. Now, uh, legitimately, other provinces have said, hey, wait a minute. We have homes here that are heated with natural gas. So if you're going to do it for one, why don't you do it for another and make it all types of home heating fuel? Of course, if you do that, then they're going to say, well, I heat my home with electric, and my electric bill is through you know, the roof where every do you winter. Stop? Yeah. Um, you know, Canada is a cold country. Uh, we live above a certain latitude so that makes us very very cold and um for a big part of the year and we can feel that today Uh, so you know heating our homes has always been a source of contention and some areas have more options than others Uh, a lot of newfoundlanders and labradorians for instance heat their homes with a wood stove so uh and electric baseboard heaters and the like um but uh you know what they're trying to do now is give people enough time this three-year window to make the switch to be able to make the switch and this is what part of that whole um pilot project was about was about providing incentives to allow people to do that so that it's not a huge out-of-pocket expense. Now, some people, and we received some calls on this in the VOCM newsroom last week, some people made the switch and just made the switch because they knew that this was coming. They knew that this was being implemented, you know, now. Uh, And where are they? And who's going to help them? You know what I'm saying? So it's difficult once you make a decision and then you change that decision and those kinds of things, there are going to be impacts. And of course, that's what a lot of the premiers at this uh, Council of the Federation meeting raised today. Uh, That and many more things besides. Well, when we come back after the break, a St. John's area man has written a book that he hopes will help children diagnosed with a learning disability and their understanding that they are capable of great things. So we'll hear more about that when we come back after the break. This is News Talk on VOCM. Your voice in Newfoundland and Labrador's biggest conversation. If you want to know what's happening in your province, tune in to Open Line every day. Have your say weekday morning starting at 9 a.m. on Open Line with Patty Daly on your VOCM. And we were talking about cold weather earlier, uh, Claudette, but uh, I see a little copy of Doyle's Almanac here, 2024. Oh, you're not cracking open that and giving us more despair, are you? (laughs) I just cracked it open. Uh, What a lovely little publication, I have to say. Lots of uh, interesting stories there about uh, history and uh, Newfoundland and Labrador's um, uh, natural wonders and those kinds of things. It's a lovely little uh, publication, I have to say. Uh, Doyle's 2024 almanac of newfoundland and labrador but it is predicting what are you going to tell us increased precipitation Mm -hmm. throughout the course of the winter uh increased rain increased uh snow increased sprinter probably for newfoundland uh labrador what are they saying yep um more snow and more rain so generally speaking more snow more rain right across the province uh this winter so uh settle in for that (laughs) 
there you go. Get get your shovels now because <laughs> what happens every year is we get that snowfall and then it's like, oh my goodness, my shovel is I cracked never, off. Or the or scraper is never where you know it should I be. I found my scraper the weekend and oh. put it in my vehicle. Smart woman. I saw it and I was like, uh, if I don't pick this up now, <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, wait a minute. I was looking at that the other day and I never picked it up. So I took it out of its hidey hole in the basement and it's now in the vehicle but yeah what happens every year you you go to get your shovel and it's like oh i forgot i left that out last year and it got cracked up or it's so cracked true. off or i out of sheer frustration i broke it off the fence or <laughs> something uh and then you go out and rush out to get a, a shovel somewhere and everybody bought them up gone yeah gone so uh yeah be prepared for that well a saint john's area man has written a book that he hopes will help children diagnosed with a learning disability understand that they are capable of great things frank ryan has written a book called why am i different to help prevent children struggling with or recently diagnosed with a learning disability from suffering the same way that he did well he joins me now well hello frank Hi, how are you? Good, good. So you have authored uh, a book called Why Am I Different? Tell us a little bit about uh, this book and your journey. Um, Basically, um, at the age of seven years old, I was told I had a learning disability. And it's affected how I viewed myself most of my life. Um, Up until my second year of grade nine, I went undiagnosed. And at that point, I was told I had an eye tracking problem. I didn't really understand what that meant, but by that point, I had low self-esteem, felt really bad about myself, and pretty much gave up on myself. Um, And then, basically, about four years ago, I injured my back at work, and I I couldn't go back to my old job, so I... Uh, was being so I was decided I would be retrained for something new, and um, I ended up going back and getting my high school diploma. And now I'm, I'm now in Kona doing a business administration accounting program. Um, I then uh, just ended up volunteering over the summer with the Learning Disability Association, and within doing so, I found others like myself who had similar issues, and I decided I wanted to give back. And this idea came to mind, and I decided to make a book for children to help uh, build their self-esteem and not feel the way I did and not waste 28 years like I did. Wow. So uh, take us back now. What what exactly is an eye-tracking problem and how does it I- impact the way you learn? Um, so from what I was told, basically what happens is my one eye goes ahead of the other. So while I'm reading one word, the next eye is, is reading the next word. So then I, I'm I'm skipping ahead without even realizing it, and it, it's affected how I read. Um, when I was in the younger grades, instead of doing French, I would be going to do a second class of English. Right, and so did it, Did it? Uh, um, you, you talked about the impact on your self-esteem, but, uh, you know, how did you do in, in terms of grades, and, and how were you accommodated, if at all? Um, I was taken to, like, a special education room, but it, that, uh, that in itself is being singled out and when you're a child you want to fit in but i was anything but and that's why the title why am i different is so important um the accommodations they would try to help me but it wasn't um it wasn't it it didn't work and my grades up until high school were i was lucky i passed most of my courses math was always my strong suit but other than that i i barely passed most of my grades so what might have made a difference for you, do you think, looking back? 
um, for someone to believe in me and not to say there was something wrong with me. I think that by labeling, labeling a child as having something wrong or telling them that they're, they won't amount to something because of, of, of something that they can't control is like it, it, it ruins their self-esteem. And would there have been any kind of accommodations that might have helped you at the time that maybe are available now that weren't available then? Yes, there's technology's definitely gotten better, and there's things to help those who have issues. Um, teachers, and I guess, and guidance counselors and such understand these disabilities more, and I'm, I'm sure there is more support, but from what I've talked to parents and those who have children who have learned disabilities, it's still an issue that needs to be solved and helped better than what it is. But it sounds like your message is not so much for the educational side of things. It's it's for the kids. Yeah. It's belief. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in the past couple of years that if you believe in yourself, you can accomplish great things. And if you have self-doubt, you're and that's going to, that's more powerful than any disability you may have. So how did your family or your 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 um fellow students or even your teachers um react to this learning disability? Uh, my mother was always support but uh, she was a single parent who raised me as my dad died at the age of 26. So um she just did what she could but it was always difficult and she was always felt she was fighting the system. Um friends i kind of hit it so they didn't really know why i was struggling or what was the difference in myself and teachers um a few teachers were not the kindest when i was a child so that didn't help my situation but there was those who were really good and i did really well in those classes so what's your message to anyone who's recently diagnosed with a learning disability um, there's tons of successful people, and some of them are actors or or public figures. And if you research that, you can find that information. But just because you have a learned disability does not mean that you can't succeed. It just means that you will struggle more to do so. But that also makes you want it more, and it makes you strive to do better. And it really opens you up to finding creative ways around the things that you're having difficulty with it does yeah and there's there's many people out there like dyslexia i've heard so many stories of people that have dyslexia that have wrote books or have overcame that to do presentations uh, there's so many things and there's so many successful people that have learned disability so as much as it it's labeled as a disability it it doesn't stop people as long as they believe they can they can move forward and do good things I literally saw a piece about this show up in my news feed today about the actor who played Fonzie in Happy Days. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that one. Yeah, no, he's he's well known for uh, talking about his dyslexia and oh. uh, how, I mean, he used to memorize all of his, uh, all of his uh, scripts, all of his words uh, instead of reading it. It's uh, really quite amazing. He is a, um, a, a real inspiration for an awful lot of people. Wow, I didn't know about him. I, I do know Whoopi Goldberg has a learning disability. Daniel Radcliffe, who plays Harry Potter. Um, Anderson Cooper. That's just some of the research that I've found so far. And there's plenty more that are completely successful. So, Highly, uh, as you say, highly successful and iconic. Yes, exactly.
people that people look up to. Um, yes, yeah, so it's a great message. So where can people get this book, especially if they have a youngster who's recently been diagnosed with a learning disability or somebody who was diagnosed themselves and is just looking for that little bit of boost? So uh, I have a website. It's www.ingeniouspublications.com. Um, it can also be purchased at TSL Physio at 55 White Rose Drive in St. John's and the never-ending story bookstore on 7 Commonwealth Avenue. Um, they are local businesses that, that have been really supportive towards me and have helped me put my book in their store, and um, it can be purchased from there. But my website is also a main place that you can get it. And what kind of a response are you getting? A uh, very good one. I um, Actually, I talked to a lady this morning who contacted a learning disability about buying my book, and she has two children that have learning disabilities, and the same stories is they struggled, they didn't get the help they needed, and they were made to feel that they weren't good enough. And basically, it's a story you can always hear. And um, every time I hear a story, it confirms that I'm doing the right thing and that I'm where I need to be, and I'm glad this message is getting out. Frank Ryan, I really wish you uh, all the best. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad to talk to you, and thank you for reaching out to me. So that's Frank Ryan, uh, written the book, Why Am I Different?, about uh, his own struggles with uh, learning disability as a child and letting other kids know that, you know what, you can do it. I think that message is so important for people to get out there because there's nothing better than somebody who is living something to give the advice and to look up to. Now, you know, he'll be another name added to, for instance, a successful author has a learning disability. You, too, can be a successful author. Just the messages are so many. And, of course, the name I was trying to come up with when I was talking to him is Henry Winkler, uh, who played the Fonz on um, yeah, Happy I never Days. Yeah, I never knew that about him either yeah no he has uh dyslexia if i'm not mistaken and um he's spoken openly about it for years of course when he was at the peak of his stardom uh during happy days and that was such a hugely popular television program at the time uh i don't think anybody knew at that time unless you know they were very close to him but he used to memorize his scripts as opposed to read them that's so interesting that you should say that too because it's important to know as well that not everybody learns the same way there are other avenues just doesn't mean that it's wrong or less than it's just another way to learn absolutely and these uh, these people who overcome these challenges uh, usually end up being absolutely brilliant because they've had to find these avenues other ways yeah of getting where they needed to go instead of doing it like everybody else, if you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So they've had to, you know, think outside the box. They're creative thinkers usually. It's yeah. really quite extraordinary. An important so, message for sure. Yeah. So good on him. Uh, and uh, we'll have a little story on VOCM.com with uh, some of the places where you can pick up that book if, if it's of interest to you. Well, that's it for now. Claudette, good night. <laughs> <laughs> It feels that way. Look, it's pitch black it out there. It is. It is nighttime. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay, go have your bowl of cereal. Your bedtime lunch. <laughs> That's right. Have a little lunch before bed. How many people do that now? Remember that used to be a thing? I do. It yeah. was a big thing. Yeah. Have yeah. a little lunch before you go to bed. Well, uh, that's what I'll be doing when I go home now. Skip supper altogether, have a lunch, and go to bed. Uh, good night, everyone. <laughs> be careful driving out there if you're not used to driving home in the dark uh and uh we'll see you tomorrow thanks for listening